0: My name is kenny um i am 22 years old um i am emily's gonna drag me a little i'm from brooklyn um she wants to expose me and she's not gonna right now <laughs> uh, um and my pronouns are they then them and that's it
1: all right so let's get into it um all right, so the first thing I'm going to ask you is, well, you're actually one of the people who gave one of the most intense responses to the forum. Hot. Um, all right, so this is one of the first questions I had. Um, did it shock you that twenty that 42% of the respondents answered yes to having been told? Hold on. I need to, I'm going to cut that out. I can't talk today.
0: You're good. You're good. You're good. Go off, poet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, so... Um, you, you're one of the ones who thought out the form. you actually gave one of the more intense responses and so we actually did get quite a bit few responses We got 250 what so one of the first questions that i want to bring up to you is like based on the survey i did does it shock you that 42 percent of the respondents answered yes to having been told that they were pretty for a person of their ethnicity
0: honestly i'm shocked it wasn't more um I feel like that's a fairly common experience to have. Dep- well, I think it kind of depends on, um, you know, like where they are, who they're surrounded by. But no, honestly, I'm not surprised at all. Um, I feel like everyone that I know has, or at least almost everyone that I know that isn't white, has had that experience at some point in their life.
1: Have you ever experienced that? Yeah, 100%. Um
0: I think that, um, I mean, there are multiple ways to say it. I haven't outright been told that I'm like pretty for a black person or attractive for a black person. Um, but I do think that, um, you know, there are microaggressions that are like associated with that kind of language. Like, um, you know, like, Oh my God, like, you know, people see me with my mom who is like white passing. Um, and you know they're like oh my god like i can't believe that's your child it's like they're so cute like wow like i can't believe it mm-hmm. uh, um and um yeah so you know it didn't happen like overtly but subtly for sure
1: um what what other microaggressions would you say that you personally experienced and like how did that make you feel what was your response to these microaggressions like in that moment, like, what was your response to Ooh. the person saying it?
0: Um, honestly, like, I've experienced, um, I think, probably a lot more than I can like bring to my like immediate forethought. Because um, I'm sure I experienced, I definitely experienced them as a child and like whatever else. But usually, um, I'm genuinely shocked. Um, not because someone said it, not because it was even a thought of theirs, but genuinely by the audacity um of, like, for someone to really, like, sit in my face and, like, passively just be, like, racist is pretty wild. Um, I think, um, the most recent thing that I've experienced is, um... The election, um, Mm. and having people like expect celebration from me as far as like Trump not being, uh, elected again. Where it's kind of funny because, um, Biden's also pretty fucking racist.
1: Uh, I'll bleep that swear word out. It's fine. Oh,
0: my bad. I didn't know I couldn't (laughs) catch.
1: Oops. Uh,
0: (laughs) that might be a little hard, but, um, yeah, no, um, i've had my hair petted i have been petted on multiple occasions
1: you've been petted yes like a dog
0: like a dog like a whole ass animal um i used to work in ohio when i lived there briefly um and i worked in a restaurant and i used to have an afro before i had locks um and my hair was pretty big and um a lot of the times people would come up to me and just kind of like try to touch my hair. Um I had a coworker like just flat out touch it. Um like in passing. They not
1: have boundaries?
0: No, people no, like none. Um they don't think of it as a boundary thing. They think of it as a um I can do what I want like there's a level of entitlement. Um but I've been petted on multiple occasions. Um I've had to like duck like full out, just like <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> like my. I'm sorry. Just imagine you like ducking somebody oh. reaching for your hair and like no. Oh yeah, like million, like plenty, plenty.
0: Oh my god, I have like my the way my reflexes developed. Oh my god. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. I mean, like, um, there have just been so many instances. Um. And I. Do can, you, did, uh, did you like say anything when they did try to touch you? Like what? Like. Well, um for the most part like I'm usually so shocked that I don't know what to say. Um but in the instance of that coworker doing it um I reported her to her superiors. Oh.
1: Um and how did they react to that? Like do they do anything or no?
0: Well, the story is a little bit more uh, complicated than that because um she also said the n-word.
1: Oh no. Yeah,
0: later on in that. So um I reported her for that and um I took two days off and when I came back they hadn't fired her. Um and so I was like, Well Was the management black, people of no. color or like white? White. It was white owned. Oh. All the managers were white. Um the only most of the servers were white, most of the baristas were white. The only black people that really worked there whether um me one other person and all of the cooks everyone that cooked in the kitchen was black but nobody that was like on the outside was black it was actually really weird
1: that is really weird to like old times it's like this is the face and you guys stay in the back that's really uncomfortable Yeah.
0: yeah 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 um so um that was that and then um what did they do what did they do so, they made me sit down with the girl and have, like, a mediated uh, talk, I guess, mm-hmm. um, with, like, management present. And, um, you know, she sat there and she cried and she said that she wasn't racist and that she had Black friends and, you know, the oh word Oh, my just, God,
1: not that again. Uh, I'm not uh, racist. I can say this word because I have Black friends. Uh, they gave me the N-word pass. Uh-huh. It's okay. Yep. So, um. You know they, uh,
0: and it like escalated. Like I had to sit there very calmly, and she cried, and she said that I was racist against white people, (laughs) and uh, yeah, Um, wow. Okay. And then they uh they didn't fire her again. They transferred her to a different location. Um, and then half the staff stopped speaking to me because I got her transferred. Uh, when you weren't even in the room the
1: person was in the room right
0: yeah that's ridiculous yeah 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 like the managers were speaking to me and everybody that was black was speaking to me Uh, but besides that like half of the white staff just like refused to acknowledge me
1: that's actually really interesting because like the next thing i was going to ask you was according to the survey that i did a lot of people they didn't reply to the microaggressions or they didn't do anything to defend themselves they just stood there and like they took it or ignored it well, so, so that, it's like, this is, this is an example of like, you said something and like, like it, there was no backlash. The fact, well, there was no backlash. Well, the biggest yeah. thing about microaggressions is
0: that, you know, there are trauma and mm. it's subtle, but it's a trauma. And what do people do when they're experiencing trauma? It's fight or flight or freeze. Um, or they don't even realize that that's the experience they're having. until so they can reflect on it later. But microaggressions are traumatizing for a lot of people. I mean, for really anyone. Um, And they don't know how to process them in the middle of experiencing them. So I'm like, I have been in plenty of positions where like nothing, like I said, like nothing immediate comes to mind. But like, I know I've been in positions where like something will happen to me. And I won't know what to say while it's happening because i'm so shocked um i had a ex um my first queer partner actually um who's a white woman um make plenty of microaggressions toward me during our relationship um including telling me my hair stunk including um correcting my use of Abonics, um or yeah actually we got into an argument once she was like can you just speak
1: properly can you just do it can you try um did they not see the issue in that did they just like they just fly past them to see like how wrong and messed up that was I, i mean honestly i have like
0: i don't think she knows and i don't think she cares uh, to this day, this was uh, about a year and a half ago. This was maybe two years. This was end or mid-2017. Um, and I can guarantee you she probably still hasn't reflected on it, Um, still hasn't thought about it. Um, and, yeah, there have just been so many layers to that.
1: That's kind of insane that they would say that's you to your face. Mm-hmm. And just be so blunt about it, like not even like yeah, just talk properly. Why are you talking like that? Because like this is how, yeah, African American vernacular is very common in African American community, and at that point, it's just, that's just racist. That's yeah. Well, I wow yeah. Um.
0: So that's my thing. Uh, um, I think I tried to. She oh, she also once said to me, I'll never forget this. Um, so she's Butch um which for anybody who will hear this and doesn't know what that is um she is more mask presenting um and so one time we were you know arguing as uh, dysfunctional couples do <laughs> and uh i was like well you know you don't know what it is to be the black person in this relationship and she was like well you don't know what it is to be the butch in this relationship um as if those two things were comparable, comparable by any means when
1: they're not at all right
0: so um those are just one of them.
1: especially since she was a white woman yeah and she's a cis white woman
0: um privileged pri- rich um like rich rich i mean like houses like plenty <laughs> like don't even be started um goes goes <laughs> to europe every summer for fun uh fully
1: paid for by her parents um and they wanted to talk to you about what it's like to be butch. That com- yes. compared to being a black person in yes, like yes, the United States or in an inter- in the world in general. Yeah, or just specifically in this
0: instance in where we're an interracial couple, we're an interracial queer couple. Um, and we were dealing with the. I was trying to explain to her like the issue with like what it looks like for me when we go out in public together um wherein people aren't shy about like trying to hit on her because they completely disregard me or um you know I'm out with her family and I'm the only black one and I kind of look like the nanny because she has younger siblings that like flock to me um or the way her friends treat me because they're mostly white um or generally the way I interact with her parents like all of these like little interactions and the way that i feel and like not even just like like her being white aside like she's also rich and there's a level of classism associated with her racism um that i hadn't even i I had never experienced before dating her because i um had never dated a white woman before um so yeah i mean like you get it from all sides (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um professional romantic um even day-to-day i don't think i uh
1: i'm just like in shock at like both the situations yeah i
0: mean like it's and it's something that's like uh this these weren't one-time situations for me either like these are just so significant because they had such a, a bigger re- they had a big response but uh microaggressions are fairly common in my day-to-day even like now um you know, I work with uh, mostly men and um, mm-hmm. but I'm a manager and it's so subtle, but it's always, um, you know, people come in and uh, they don't speak to me. They don't even think to speak to me. They speak to one of my white coworkers, workers um, or they're like immediately like they think the authority figure between the two of us is the white man. Um, and they're always like, oh. Oh, uh, yeah, um, I need a refund, or like something silly. Um, but it's always so subtle, like the first person they go to for the questions are my white coworkers, or the first person they uh, engage with if they have a problem is my white
1: coworker. Um, That's so interesting because something I wanted to bring up is the fact that you're black but you're also a lighter skinned black person mm-hmm. so how does that like affect you when it comes to like colorism because your mom's also even more white passing than you are but then there are also people who are darker skinned oh who so like what's your stance and like what do you think what would you have to say about like all that type of stuff well so um because colorism is a huge issue in general oh 100% so um
0: my mother is white passing I am not um I am fairly brown, um, 4C hair, um, very, like, if you see me in the street, you know I'm black. There's no ambiguity. Um, But I am lighter than, um, I'm just lighter. And uh, growing up, I experienced colorism in a very specific way because my mother is so light um wherein like I said earlier like it's like oh like that's your kid like they're so pretty like or that's your mom like you're so pretty or she's so pretty like but there was never a um an acknowledgment of like the like the fact that we were um that like it was it was shocking to them that I could be pretty if my mother was so much lighter and so beautiful cuz my mother is beautiful um and she's a black woman both her parents are black um, they're both of their parents are black, like, um, but for the most part, um, it became such a detrimental part of how I experienced literally anything because I'd never thought that, like, I could be or was as attractive as my mother or my lighter skin counterparts. Um, But in that, I also have to acknowledge the privilege that I am allotted as someone who is lighter than, like, I have my friends that are darker than me, and I see the difference in how people socialize us. I can feel the way that people engage with us and how differently it is. Um, And the darker you are, the more complex and the more dangerous your situation becomes. And I don't have the same experiences um and besides that as much as I can experience colorism I also have to check myself and how I perpetuate it um because when you grow up experiencing colorism that stuff trickles down um and if you know like if you're a kid and someone says you're not pretty or you're not cute because you know you're darker than this person you know, you perpetuate that behavior, knowingly or not, and I'm constantly checking myself, I'm constantly trying to be self-aware, because I'm just as capable of, perpetu- of perpetuating it as anybody else. Um, there's no such thing as reverse fucking colorism, I'm sorry, I had to cuss. Um, <laughs> darker skin people literally cannot be colorist, that's not a thing. Um and
1: i actually never heard of that term and that's surprising considering i'm on like well twitter well people try to like uh,
0: listen i have seen so much discourse around like um and i've had to have conversations with like plenty of light-skinned people like i've had light like, skin people like block me and like try to cuss me out because i'm like because they're all like you know like no, colorism isn't real and like we're all black and i'm like oh, colorism is definitely right real. and you can and it's always right. light-skinned people that like to try to like um try to be like we're all one and not some white people shit um and that's that same behavior like people who deny colorism are just trying to um oh, i can't think of the word but they're trying to get just like a little bit closer to whiteness you know what i mean like they're trying to gain more proximity to it mm-hmm. and whiteness is power right like uh Whiteness is currency. And people think that if they are in proximity to it, then they have it, but they don't. And that's the issue. Um, and
1: yeah, you actually said here. Okay, no, continue. go off. What did I
0: say? All right.
1: Yeah, we like. We had a small commercial break stream B by BTS. Oh, hell
0: no. <laughs> you know what? We're not doing this today. we not. Right. Go get your question together.
1: All right. So um, what you wrote in the survey was, you said, to quote you exactly, Uh whiteness is the standard of professionalism, wealth, and the general ability to mobilize within capitalism as per its relationship to anti-Blackness and racism, convincing Black, Indigenous people of color that they are not beautiful, and then selling lightening creams, hair relax, and other chemically altering agents is co-signed by capitalism and white supremacy, retaining the narrative that Eurocentric beauty standards are the only acceptable experience, or that Black Indigenous people of color cultures are only palatable by proxy of white deliverer is a narrative carried through carried throughout history. Wow, I'm
0: mad smart. That's crazy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow, I'm really a genius. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about that. When you say whiteness is a standard of professional wealth and the general ability to mobilize within capitalism as per its anti blackness and racism, can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. I
0: mean, so, okay, this is going to be a very common experience. And if you were to ask like any other black person, um, honestly with natural hair or um, generally, you would ask them how they do their hair for a job interview right no matter the position Mm -hmm. no matter what it is and they would tell you right off rip without thinking about it without questioning it nine times out of ten they'd say I straighten it and you do that um, because you know that the first thing that employers look at is your hair your name The way you enunciate, the length of your nails, even. Length Um, of your nails? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Working in the service industry? Absolutely. Um, But um, they look and they try to identify how professional you are and how professional you look.
1: That is true because I've read multiple instances where people have been denied job interviews for going in with their natural hair or wearing an afro, out, and they've been told that their hair looks unprofessional and unkept and untidy and that it needs to be straight or be slipped back into a sleek bun in order yep. to look more professional.
0: I had a job. Yeah,
1: they can't wear like drum dreads or like braids or like box braids and stuff like that.
0: Mm-hmm. My first job, we were uh, required to wear our hair in buns all the time. Never out, always had to be in a ponytail. Uh, my first job, mm-hmm. I was the only black femme there, and um, it would take me about 45 minutes at night to lay my hair down in a bun before I went to bed. I couldn't do it in the morning, um, because my hair wouldn't be dry, or I would rush and it would get puffy. Because when you have 4C or 4B hair, the trick that I learned is you have to part your hair as you go, apply gel, brush it down, part it, brush it down. You have to do it layer by layer. So I would do this almost every night. Um,
1: But what about when you had braids? Because I remember you used to do box braids a lot. And you also have your hair long right now.
0: I didn't have my hair uh, braided. At all when I worked this job. This was in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um. Or I would get my hair straightened. Um. And. I was not allowed to wear my natural hair out.
1: Was this when you worked in Howard at Beach? Catering? Yeah. Because yes. there's a lot of Italian yeah. white people over there.
0: Uh huh. It was Italian owned. Um. I was not allowed to wear my natural hair. At all. By any means. Um. I was not allowed to have hair dye. It had to be a quote-unquote natural color. Um, yeah, no, that wasn't a thing. So I would spend 45 minutes every night, the night before I worked. Even if I got home at like 3 in the morning,
1: I would go home and have to lay my hair down. And, um, and so would you say that like these employers doing that, that these companies doing that, that's like anti-black and racist, because they're discriminating you based on your hair type, and you can't control absolutely. your hair type
0: and um of course it's extremely anti-black the point is to make sure a lot of these a lot of the basic standards that we have whether it be beauty whether it be education whether it be literally anything are built around anti-blackness there's no escaping it that's it it's literally built for black people to be unable to mobilize um professionalism the idea of professionalism is always going to be in proximity to whiteness that's it um and that's mostly because there are so many employers that just recently very recently in the 21st century became inclined to hire black people
1: oh did you know that okay so you know how there's affirmative action Mm-hmm. did you know that i've encountered multiple white people that have said that oh that's racist that's not fair just because i'm white i'm being discriminated against that i can't get this job and they have to hire this certain amount of black people that is racist
0: mm-hmm. and let me tell you something about affirmative action it's not as common as people think and it's also not what people think it is which is really strange like i People sincerely think that it's like, oh, like, um, like I'm gauging or I have gauged that like white people really think it's like, oh, like black people do the bare minimum and they just get accepted because they're black. They get accepted because they meet the criteria to get into um, these spaces, these schools, these jobs. They meet the criteria, but they are only hired. They meet the criteria and they are, but they are black. It's always the but they are black. That's literally all it is. They are hired. Yes, because they are black, but also because they meet the same standards. These people, black people graduate from the same fucking schools. Black people have the same grades, if not better grades, because black people are taught that we have to work twice as hard. I am fairly mediocre when it comes to most things because I simply don't care, <laughs> but <laughs> um, most of my life has been having to compete with my white counterparts or having to adhere to the beauty standards of my white counterparts. I didn't know that it was acceptable or it was okay to wear my hair as it was until I was hired. At my current job, by an indigenous woman, and if I was hired on the spot for having natural hair, before my my current experience, it was simply to use me.
1: I was a face.
0: Yes, I was a face. I was a face. I had natural hair, and this is another thing. I'm still kind of lighter, so. It's easier. I'm just palatable.
1: And no, it, so I'm used. It's interesting uh, when you talk about like the beauty aspect because it makes you wonder like where does this all start? Like because I don't I reference this in the in my first podcast, but there's a video on YouTube that it's been there for years where mm-hmm. little kids are given two dolls, a black doll and a white doll. They're told pick which one is prettier. Then they're also told another group of um kids from i think they were like from mexico or something so this mm-hmm. shows that this is a global issue they're given a black doll and a white doll and they're told pick the good doll and mm-hmm. both of them both groups of pick kids pick the white ones pick the white one for the beautiful doll and for the good doll yeah well you know um a byproduct of
0: colonialism and colonization has to be white superiority they have to teach that or else the entire point of it is like it's it, it, there's no point There's no point if they're going to continue colonizing. If like, if they're going (laughs) to, if they're going to continue upholding white supremacy, they have to do it through and through. This is not just a one time thing. This is not something that people get taught randomly. This starts at home. This starts both with literally black, white, no matter what, anti-blackness racism you like the eurocentricness is all taught at home initially by parents who were raised by parents who were raised by parents who are a byproduct of colonialism and white like that's it that's it it's generational and that's
1: how it's upheld what's interesting also about this generation in in particular is with all this anti-blackness and all the all these microaggressions and all these things made to put black women and black people down and people of color down look Mm -hmm. at how many instances of black fishing we have of white women wanting to appear more Uh like like they get lip fillers to have fuller lips they get box braids to appear more exotic they do all these Mm -hmm. things they tan their skin look at kim kardashian how
0: fucking started (laughs) look at to the
1: extent to which she tans her skin where she can pass for a black woman in certain photos Mm -hmm. and it's insane because she's not well blackness is
0: marketable on white women because white women are the standard they're the they're the basis if white women do it then it's okay and white women have kind of figured that out i'm not gonna lie to you they've kind of figured that out um white women have and not only have they figured it out but they've also figured out that even if they do something racist even if they like when they do racist things they're not going to actually be held accountable for them but here nor there black fishing is a thing because white, when white women do literally anything it's cute this whole um the y2k style coming back in the cyber ghetto and and the long acrylics and and all of these things and the colorful wigs, that's all black. That's all ghetto. That's all hood. That's all hood. It's and it's all popularized by white women because they know they can get away with it. It's not. It's it's. Do you remember like, in the early two thousands, where like white women were wearing like. Um, uh, those traditionally, like, Asian dresses. I don't know what they're called. Mm-hmm. Um, and putting chopsticks in their hair. And-
1: oh, yes, I remember that.
0: Yes, that was, like, a very early 2000s look. Um, Or they wanted to be Chicanas and, you know, they wore the bandanas and they were sagging and, you know, they had the whole aesthetic.
1: And you know what's interesting? There's a few cases where I've seen, like, online, like, they're told, oh, you're white, when they're actually that person from that background. Like, indigenous people are have been told that, oh, you're just white, because more and more white people are trying to look Black. They're trying to look Latina. They're trying to look mm-hmm. like all these different cultures mm-hmm. because they're changing their features so much. Well, okay, hear me out, hear me out, hear me
0: out, hear me out, right. Um, being light skin and black because i can i mean i have a few opinions on lots of things but uh (laughs) but um the thing about being black and the difference between like black fishing and uh all of these things compared to like other things is that blackness is an ethnicity in and of itself but also blackness is cultural um and i feel like a lot of the times when lighter skin black women get shamed for doing things that they are allowed to do it's simply because there's this we've allowed white women to completely misconstrue what white passing even is we've allowed them to tan and to uh get lip fillers and wear wigs and you know like there was this <laughs> this picture of uh it went viral recently of kylie jenner um where she <laughs> Everyone was saying that, um, surprisingly enough, she wasn't blackfishing. She looked, um, I don't think Middle Eastern is the right language for it. Um, I think they were trying to say she looked like Arabic.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, And it was so funny because she's a literal white woman, right? Like, she's literally just
1: like. Yeah, she's white.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And it's funny because it's like all these features, like this tan skin, these fuller lips, these. Mm-hmm. But things, they lo- they're so praised on these white women, but then when a normal person from that culture who is naturally like that has those features, they're degraded or they're not as praised.
0: Black culture is so influential, and so beautiful, um but it's consistently under it's underappreciated, um, disrespected, disregarded. And generally ignored as um the basis for a lot of things. And that's simply because black people are not held. Um, I'm sorry, I'm going on a whole other tangent, but it's not but um it's it always looks better when people who aren't black do things, it's always more socially acceptable. And to tie it back to what you asked me, <laughs> uh, um I think that that's, like, even in line with, like, lighter-skinned women, like, still doing things that they should be allowed to do and aren't. Because even if they are lighter, um, people don't – people praise ambiguity, like, racial ambiguity um, only when it's um, to um, profit off of it, fetishize it or criticize it
1: um so, so with that being said what would you say society's current outlook on like eurocentric beauty is because we are seeing like more white women try to be try to try to look racially ambiguous but uh-huh. it's not being really done for the right reasons like we're not actually moving away from these eurocentric beauty standards we're just like we're just yeah we're literally just like um i mean I don't know. Like, honestly, I don't know
0: because um it's still super prevalent and still like super like I don't think it's going away anytime soon, if that's what you mean. Like I don't think that this is gonna like this is I care, of course. Um, and it affects me, of course. Um but there are so many overlaps as far as like even having uh Eurocentric beauty standards be the standard um, because that means we have to dismantle white supremacy. Um, yeah,
1: because some people like, like they can they view this like oh Eurocentric beauty standards aren't a thing anymore. Look how many black women are models. Look how many um how look how like the non non-eurocentric features are like that's... being shown so much people are getting lip fillers to look more that's like to a look more less eurocentric that that's not because the issue is like what I said in my last podcast episode is that these features are only being accepted on the white peers and they're being fetishized for being exotic without actually tackling the detrimental effects that these beauty standards have had on the mental health and the livelihood of people of color for years and years and years for how many because
0: for all the white people or all the white women in particular that um adopt these beauty standards could they have hired actual black and brown people for those things because they've paid actual bra- black and brown people born with those natural fucking features to do exactly what they're paying a white woman to do. All of them. They literally could have repl- <laughs> replaced. You could replace every single ad where a white woman is pretending, is blackfishing with an actual black woman. It could happen, but it won't because white women are more marketable, they're an easier sell. And they know that. Um, Yeah, no, I mean like the moment that they have to honestly like the minute that people really have to like reflect and like acknowledge that like black people and people of color are like the real like heart of what goes on um, is the moment that they actually have to acknowledge that they have to Give respect and give money and pay people what they are owed. <laughs> they have to like they have to acknowledge it. Nobody wants to do that. It's not it's 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 not convenient. It's not convenient at all. Um and um like I said, whiteness is currency and that doesn't just that's not just a matter of like people's proximity to it, but that's also marketability. You know? I know plenty of Black creators, Indigenous creators, um, Afro-Latinx, or I said Black. Um, I know like so many creators that are struggling and trying so hard to be put in the same positions as their white peers. And that's honestly like, people trying to say that it still doesn't, doesn't exist, that's like saying like transphobia doesn't exist because people can't get top surgery. That's like saying homophobia doesn't exist because gay people can be married it doesn't make sense do you know how many black trans women are killed per year on average yeah transphobia is still alive and well that's still a thing all of these things are still things just because good things happen don't mean that all of the bad is eradicated um it's just become easier to hide behind so yeah
1: how me I answering that out. all right well um that's time for now thank you for speaking with me do you have any last words anything you just want to say really quickly before we go out or like you know just say out. Bye. um yeah pay
0: black people um if you hear this um uh, my Venmo is at can you kick it <laughs> uh okay um pay me because uh this was labor um not you Emily you're fine but like people um yeah pay black people I'm pretty too um and so all my niggas.
1: <laughs> n- um, uh, have to bleep so many words out. Nah, don't bleep that out. I can say
0: it. They can't. Um. <laughs> oh my god, did I send you the TikTok? I mean, anyway, but uh,
1: yeah, that's all I gotta say. Uh, black people.
0: Um. Yeah, that's it.
1: All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I think this is episode two. Episode three will be following this, and that's when we're gonna talk about. What? of yeah, Beauty and Media and how it's reflected in magazines, television, and stuff like that. We'll get into that next episode, so I will see y'all then. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.